Welcome to the Three Tomatoes Happy Hour, and we do love happy hour and the clinking of glasses and cheers to all you fabulous women who are fully living your lives at every age and every stage. And here's the best news, every hour is happy hour. So whether you clink cheers with your coffee mug or your afternoon cappuccino, remember as the song says, it's five o'clock somewhere. Join us for some grown-up fun, interesting and stimulating conversations that will motivate, inspire, or just make you laugh. And for more grown-up fun, visit our website, The Three Tomatoes, and the three is spelled out, and sign up for our newsletters. Now sit back and relax and enjoy the episode. Welcome, welcome, tomato listeners, to our Three Tomatoes Happy Hour podcast. I'm Kim Selby, the San Francisco editor of The Three Tomatoes, and today my guest is Genevieve Paturo. Genevieve, in case you don't know her, is the founder of a fabulous nonprofit called The Pajama Program. And we're going to get to that in our chat, and you'll learn what that is. And she has also just released a book called Purpose, Passion, and Pajamas, How to Transform Your Life, Embrace the Human Connection, and Lead with Meaning. That is juicy stuff we all need, especially (laughs) right now when we don't have a lot of in-person human connection. So welcome, Genevieve. Thank you. Thank you, you Kim. Thank you, tomatoes. <laughs> uh, we are really happy that you're here today. I am in particular, and I am embarrassed to say that I was not familiar with the pajama program, so I, I am certain that a lot of our listeners are not. So let's start off by talking a little bit about you and your background and what is the pajama program and how that led into today's book. Um, Of course. Well, I can start by saying um, I will give two seconds to me and 90% to pajama program and the lessons I learned that are in the book. I was a corporate executive. That was my dream. So many women, you know, in the 80s had that same dream, climb the corporate ladder. I was no different. Uh, Maybe I was different because I was the first of four kids from a dad who came from Italy on the boat who really had felt the pressure to get married and have kids, and that wasn't my calling. So like so many, all of my colleagues, it was climbing the corporate ladder for me, Mary Tyler Moore. And, and I did that, and 15 years in, I was single because all I was doing was working, and I did love the job, and I loved advancing and, and all that brought. But I heard a voice in me one afternoon in my apartment And it asked me, if this is the next 30 years of your life, is this enough? Kim, that was a shock because I never thought about it. I'm so, I'm so envious of the, the young people today looking for their first jobs. You know, it's a no brainer. They want meaning. They want purpose, whether they start something or they look for a job, they want to mean, they want it to mean something to the greater good. I did not have that. Yeah, but what I do have to say is you were in your 30s. There are so many of us, you know, three decades later, finally realizing, oh, we have to have purpose. I would say, hurrah, you found it actually quite young, which is great. 38 felt old, but I understand what you're saying. And and I think it's wonderful that so many of us, you know, obviously now I'm older than 38 (laughs) and 20 years older. And I think it is great. And a lot of the calls and emails I get and people who ask, you know, just to brainstorm what I listen to their their thoughts are older. And I think we got to a point 
whether it's 38 or 58, where we are wondering what led us on this path that maybe we didn't even think about. We didn't even put much thought into our choice. And now we are. And, yeah. and I say it's, it's great and it's never too late. Listen, if I could do it, I knew nothing. So what happened was I heard this voice, right? And it asked me if this is the next 30 years, is this enough? And I realized I had missed so many important things. You know, I wasn't doing anything that meant anything, that made anything better. And in, in seconds, it just came crashing down on me. And the number one thing I thought was I didn't have children. I don't have my own. I have nephews, nieces, godsons, but it's different. And all the moms out there, you know, uh, you have the most responsible, the most meaningful job out there, any parent. So I started reading in shelters to children at night. I just thought, I love to read. I, that came to me. And I was welcomed into shelters. You know, 20 years ago, it was a little easier to call up and say, I'm a nice person if I come and read. <laughs> and this is in Manhattan, I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah. Just Manhattan. so everybody knows. Yeah. Yeah. And in Westchester County, Yonkers and things. And it's not as easy now, but I was, I was a, coming, up, coming into it at the time when I was welcomed. And I loved those little faces peering in, you know, once or twice a week when I could just leave work and go and read with my books. And it was the, it was the most rewarding and the quietest time I'd ever been, you know, climbing the corporate ladder, your brain is working over time. You're, you know, you're, you're working at a high level. And this was just like quiet. And I watched one night when they were going to sleep after I read to these children in an emergency shelter and the police or social workers brought them in and they were sleeping in their clothes and the room was bare and there were two or three children up on a, a cot and there, some of them were crying. And I just couldn't imagine how they would ever, how they would ever feel loved going to sleep like that, how lonely and, and frightened they must be. And it was just, it was difficult for me to um, to understand this new world. I mean, I felt like an idiot. I was so ignorant. You know, I didn't have a lot growing up, but I had a mom and a dad, and I knew they loved me, and I got tucked in. So I broke Did, pajamas. So these were children who, of what ages, and they were uh, in transition. They were taken from Child Protective Services or something, uh, awaiting foster yeah. homes. And they exactly. were all ages or? All ages. The ones I read to were little. They must have been five to uh, 10, uh, not usually that old. But yes, it was an emergency shelter, which meant most, if not all of them, were brought in within 24 hours by police or social workers. Um, and if there were moms with them, I would say I'd never saw, heard that there was a dad. It was usually a mom. Then she was in bad shape as well for a mm -hmm. lot of reasons. And they were separated and they were being processed. And I say that word and I cringe because you don't process children, you know, but that's, that's what was happening. They were taking information and it was really going to be up to the judges and the caretakers to decide what happened. So this was, they were very raw. You know, I didn't mm -hmm. see many of the parents because they were separated them because the moms needed help. But if I caught a glimpse, they were all in, you know, in bad shape, but they were safe. You know, and I knew that they were safe and I knew that yesterday they weren't. So this was a, a, a really a, a wonderful place for them to be safe and to be taken care of and then, you know, to move on a stable place for a short time. Yeah. Okay. So you were reading to these children and then uh, 
it always helps. I mean, I always tell people that if you're feeling eh, lost, give back to someone else. So clearly this really nurtured your soul, nourished you and gave you a, an idea. And so how did your reading to these lovely children who are, it's so sad, you know, what a great gift you were giving. And then what happened? Well, when I saw how they were going to sleep, um, I guess I, I was lingering and the staff sort of had to nudge me toward the door. <laughs> And the only thing that came out of my mouth was, can I bring some pajamas next week? And again, they thought it was a lovely idea. And I was all excited. And I brought a lot of pajamas to, not make, to make sure nobody was left out because the kids were always different. And I started handing them out. And one little girl wouldn't take them. She was so afraid. And her clothes were soiled and too short. And she was, her, her pigtails were lopsided. And she broke my heart. She didn't take them. She wanted to stand and watch me. But I went over after I finished with the other children and they had their pajamas and I tried one more time and she whispered to me, what are pajamas? Oh. And that was the moment that my career meant nothing. It literally happened in a moment. And I don't know, you know, I don't know why it took me so long. I don't know if that little voice had been, you know, whispering and I didn't listen and it had to hit me over the head to ask me if this is the next 30 years, lady. But that was it. And, you know, slowly um, I went, yeah, I thought I was going to get fired. And if I didn't, if I didn't change my career, do project work, and then finally walk away after making some embarrassing mistakes in my career, um, and letting some of the you know really great bosses I had down, I don't know what would have happened, but I did walk away and crossed my fingers and just jumped in and tried to figure out how to swim. No way. So you just quit your corporate job and decided to start a foundation or to well, start a nonprofit? <laughs> sort of. You know, the universe works in a lot of different ways. And at that time, I met a great guy who, who I married. You know, we're married 21 years. So right then, I was nervous about telling him I might be quitting my job because he thought he was, you know, getting involved with a career girl. But his reaction when I told him, and I was so worried, he said, go for it. And from that day on, he drove me to the shelters. He helped me pack. He was my sounding board. And I decided to go from full time to um, being an independent contractor. And then I chose just one of those projects to work on. And then when I flubbed that pretty badly, <laughs> I said, to my, I'm going to just quit. And I wasn't even sure. And then he said, go do it. And that, that's really important know. to have a supportive yes. person behind that's you. That's one of the lessons, one of the lessons in the book. And I, and they're called heart of the matter. They come after every chapter. And I talk about things that I wish I had known. And so that's what I share. I wish I had known how important it was when you're going to make a major decision, like, like moving, changing, whatever, to gather that cheerleading squad because I had naysayers as anybody has when you change things and you disrupt your your circle and you you know people who count on you for one thing expect something from you and if you if they let you if you let them down or they think you do they will challenge you and I was I kept I kept not just falling down every time I was challenged because I had no answers what are you going to do how are you going to do it I didn't know I just had this pull. So yes, one of those things is I should have rallied my cheerleaders before facing any of those potential naysayers. Interesting. Well, you learned a lesson and you're sharing it with others. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you 
dropped everything basically when you stopped yeah. that project and decided to throw yourself 1000% into creating the pajama program. Is that correct? I did. Yeah. I didn't know what, I didn't know what to do. And I wasn't, I didn't even know what a nonprofit, you know, what it meant, how to do, how to start one. But we had a, an article, real small article in a national magazine. And when that magazine came out, thousands of boxes and letters and dollar bills and notes just came to my door. And, and again, I almost got kicked out because it was an onslaught and, and the, the, doorman was accusing me of starting a business illegally. What was I doing? And I didn't even know what these, what these boxes were. They filled my little one bedroom and one letter said, please send us your 501c3 so we can send you a grant. And I was married. I turned to my husband. I said, what is this thing? 501c3. <laughs> and I realized when I found out, I said, this is a responsibility look at all these people who trust me. So this is, you know, this is the choice that I'm making, I'm, I've got to do this. I owe it to these people and of course to the children. What year was this? Um, well, we got our 501c3 in 2001. So that must have been uh, late 2000, early 2001. You know, I never kept notes, who knew? I didn't know. I have my memory and a little green, I had a little green folder that I wrote needs pajamas on the cover <laughs> with a black marker. That was my filing system. It's embarrassing. <laughs> no, it's That's not. I know if I did it, anybody can do it. Yeah, it's wonderful and it's inspiring. It really is because anybody who with the gumption and the calling and the drive to do it can do it because I know it's not easy also. Right, right. It's not. So this was 2001 when you created it, I guess, about. So right. when did it really explode? Was it the Oprah interview that made it or had it started on that before? Well, the National Magazine was great. It was a little article, but it opened up the nation and we got some chapter presidents who were volunteers to this day um, started. They read about it some, from wherever they were. And they said, hey, can I do this here to help you? And, and I said, yes. And they said, what do we do? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> we put it out together. I mean, it's so true. It's ridiculous, but it's true. And then O Magazine wrote something and then, yes, O Magazine, I mean, O Oprah was a game changer. It's so true what they say. And it, it was an amazing, amazing show. And it's, you know, it's available on YouTube. You can, you can watch it. I write about it in detail, behind the scenes stuff in the book. And if, I, if we had another show, I could tell you a million stories about that Oprah experience and about Oprah and all just beautiful. You know, I, I mentioned that in, because I, I'm obsessed with Oprah and always, well, we're about the same age, so I wouldn't say always have been, but since she came on the scene, I've really admired her. And so just as listeners know that, of course, Genevieve was interviewed on Oprah and I watched it and got teary. So I encourage everybody just hit YouTube and, and watch it because it is, um, you get to see a visual and it, it's a really special, I don't want to take away what happens because it's really, really special. Yeah, so was that was what year was that? 2007 they played it twice in 2007 and once in 2008 because the the response was unbelievable from the audience both in and on their sofas yeah it was great incredible and since that time uh, the company has continued or the company the nonprofit has continued to grow i'm assuming yes now we are next year we're officially 20 years old and we have 63 chapter presidents in the throughout the u.s and we have provided 
more now, more than 7 million pajamas and books, new pajamas and books through the U.S. and Puerto Rico. So, yes, yes. 7 million people, 7, 7 million, million pairs of pajamas. New, and books. new. Yeah. 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 It's, it's so fabulous. I love that. And, you know, um, I am the San Francisco editor, of course, and so, but there are people listening all over, but San Francisco people, I already looked it up. There is a chapter. Yes, and there's, there's a chapter great, in great San Francisco and Silicon Valley yes. and the East Bay. So yes. I noticed they're all over and I'm looking forward to reading to children when we can get back out there myself. Well, we're doing virtual readings on Facebook. So you can connect, anybody can connect with the local chapters now and, and ask about that. Yeah, I was going to try Yeah, that. we are all waiting. I, you know, you can't plan. That's one of the worst things, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the lessons I believe we're yeah. supposed to be learning is where we don't have control. So you're right. Right. So we have to just roll with it as hard as that is and right. improv our way into this new world. But let's talk about the book and why you wrote it maybe and what it's all about. Purpose, passion, and pajamas. I do love a good alliteration, I have to say. <laughs> and, my, and my husband says, your last name is Pituro, four piece. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Well, I've always wanted to write it because I've, I've always... I've always loved speaking and I've always told the story and the story is a, a reason, the reason why so many of us start things. We've had an experience, we've had a moment, especially in nonprofit, but also entrepreneurs. There's a moment when you decide, you see, you see something you can change. You feel a pull towards something. It's usually a, a niche. So, I've always spoken about it, and that was how 20 years ago, before social media, we grew, talking to people, writing about it, and I always wanted to do that, and I never expected Pajama Program to grow this way. I'm thrilled, but I was doing less and less of sharing and in trying to inspire people who were afraid. I was afraid, too. I still lose sleep. Now, now I've got a new venture, the book. We, we are all human, and that human connection is, is the best part of finding ourselves, finding a way out of a challenging time, project, whatever. And even though I wrote this, started three years ago, and it's just coming out now, I still firmly believe that we need to look each other in the eye. And I say, isn't it strange that we're just wearing masks and we're only looking at each other in the eye now? But after so much time of not being able to look each other in the eye, because we're looking at devices, we're looking at each other in the eyes if we're in front of them now. And it's, I have always found that sharing a story face-to-face -face moves people. I am moved when I hear why somebody's doing what they're doing, what they've come through, where they've been, and why they want something to change. And I've I've hoped that's how pajama program's grown because I shared the story of this little girl. And I, and I really believe after seeing it work that it's, it's not the power of one, it's the power of one another if we wanna change things. So I wrote this because I wanted those who are starting nonprofits, those who are starting the business to feel encouraged to learn lessons at the end of every chapter, I have the heart of the matter takeaways and they're the lessons I learned. And there's nothing complicated. It's just the lessons that I learned the hard way. 
that if I can share, it's, it's building up your cheerleading squad before you, you let those naysayers you know, knock you down. And it's talking to people face to face, sharing your story and asking them, what's their story? What are they, you know, what are they thinking about? What keeps them up at night? How do they feel about this or that? If they could do anything, what would they do? There are so many lessons. And probably the first one is to listen to your heart voice. That's what Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So yeah. because I, I read that your husband encouraged you to meditate yes. and really slow down and, and it will come to you. Yes. So I guess I, you know, so many of us are constantly, well, what should I do now? Especially given this, this strange quandary we're in as we're recording this in the time of COVID as it were, is this, do you give suggestions on what to do or how to slow down or just suggest meditating for people to help yes. find their heart center? Yes. I say this is the time for, some people to make a jump, you know, it's a good time for them to say, I have to, I don't have a job, or this is the opportunity I've really decided. I've really been forced to look at, you know, the past 20, 30, 40 years, and I have to make a change now. This is the universe is telling me something. And some people can jump. And some people I say, make a slide. If you can't jump, slide that, whatever makes your heart sing into your life. We need to stay, we need to have joy. We need to stay excited about something. We need, we need to listen to our hearts and our heart voices. So I do a little exercise with people when I do, I teach master classes and things individual into groups. And for listening to your heart voice, I say paper and pen. I'm a big paper and pen person. Get a piece of paper, sit quietly, get your pen, write down five things you love to do. The whole, if you didn't have to get paid, what would you do? Just write down five. Stare at the list for 120 seconds, two minutes. Three will pop out at you. Cross off the two that don't and look at those three. Two will pop out. Take those two and for a week, concentrate one hour, just one hour on one of those things. Now, if it's horseback riding, and we're in the pandemic. Look it up, watch videos, read about anything you wanna learn how to ride a horse, you want to breed horses, you wanna work on a horse farm, you wanna own a horse farm, you wanna transport horses, whatever it is, just an hour. Read about it, learn about it. Go and link on LinkedIn, everybody is connecting. Reach out to somebody who is in the business in any way you can and have schedule a, a hello conversation. And do the same thing the following week for the second thing, just an hour. And see which one resonates with you. One will. So one will be number one and one will be number two. And for a month, bring that one number one thing into your life for an hour a week. All you have to do is see how you feel. Because when we put things on that back burner and we say, when, one day, certainly, no, not now. Oh my goodness, it's a pandemic, it's a quarantine. That, that dream is going further back. That sends a really disappointing message to your heart and your psyche. And you're not, you're, you're not giving yourself that love that we need to give ourselves. And we need now to bring that joy in. So you will, you will feel that, you will feel a gift to yourself. If you do that exercise and you take an hour and you indulge yourself, 
in whatever it is you love and you feel how good it feels, it will, it will raise your spirits. It will give you hope. You'll feel like you're not um, disappointing yourself, that, that you're giving yourself this incredible hour of joy that will make such a difference. And not just to you, but to people around you, they will, they will feel that difference. Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge believer in this. I always tell people, you know, what did you want to do when you were seven or eight years old? And yeah. what is the essence of that that you can capture now? So this is very similar to that. I love, yes, very similar. love that exercise. So you teach master classes about this to people and do you do coaching as well? Yeah, I do all that. I'm, I have 10 master classes that because of COVID, I had to stop speaking in person. So right. a lot of them now on my website, they are scheduled for um, virtual events, which is nice. But I started doing master classes and I did 10 once a week for 10 weeks and never, you know, didn't know how it was going to go. None of us knew, right? What, what was Zoom going to do and where were people going to go? And, and there were a lot of them about listening to your heart voice and making your vision board and how to engage and motivate your team. And, you know, they're on my website, but it, it's really, it was really appropriate for this time because it, it helped me to focus. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is what everybody needs and everybody's searching and looking and, and it's just... Yeah, meaning, meaning yeah, at work. Yeah, meaning. Well, as we uh, wrap up now, is there one more, is there one um, part of the matter that you can leave us with that will, I mean, you've already given us some juicy tidbits, to take us into our date whenever anybody listens to this? Uh, well, I, I think... For leaders, and we're all leading our own lives, we're not just leading others at, at, at work, but I think if we lead with meaning, which I was, wasn't doing before pajama program, if we share with those who are working on a project with us, even if it's chores at home, whatever we're doing, if we share why it's important, why it's respectful, why it contributes to the greater good. And it's not just a bottom line and a dollar goal, but there's, there's a reason I want you on my team. You bring this and I bring that and she brings this. And together we're, we're making something that is important and makes a difference to people or a project or something. So if you would, if you, connect a meaning to what you're doing. It makes all the difference and people feel like they're included. Nobody wants to feel like they're just there, you know, to serve uh, the boss and the bottom line. They want to know they matter and that they bring something and that people respect the piece that they're bringing to the table. So I call that lead with meaning. Yeah, that's beautiful. It also is really important as a leader or as someone, it, it appears, as you just said, to recognize someone, to yes. say, these are the gifts you have. And for those of us who may not be leading a team or who may just be on our own, we have to give ourselves that permission to recognize the gift that we are and the gift that we are giving. And it's harder on your own. But I also think that um, your lessons of of looking for change, of of taking yourself, what's, what's important to you, and not just doing it for the bottom line for the money, but what can you give back? Is it, to me, it's all about what, what you're saying is what you, what you have exemplified, you know, giving back to something that you are passionate about, helping children. Well, I just, I thank God every day I listen to that voice, 
And, you know, I urge people to, to sit quietly. If you're a meditator, great. If not, you don't have to call it meditation because it can be intimidating if you've never done it, but just sit quietly and, and talk to yourself and ask yourself questions and listen. Listen mm. to yourself before, you know, more, above everybody else, listen to yourself. I love that. Thank you, Genevieve. Such wonderfully wise words that you've encapsulated. And I really, I really look forward to reading your book. So everybody, it's called the purpose, it's called Purpose, Passion, and Pajamas. And we will have Genevieve's website and you can follow her. And also it, the uh, website of the pajamas is just the pajamaprogram.com. Yes, right? .com. pajamaprogram.com and Genevieve Petoro. No, no, pajamaprogram.org and Genevieve Petoro.com. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. everybody, oh, listen to your heart voice because we need uh, more positivity and we need more people following their bliss and their passion, just like Genevieve did. And listen to that little voice, whether it comes from a subway or a little girl. Genevieve did. <laughs> so yes. thank you, thank Genevieve. You. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Kim. Yep. Yeah, bye.